Well, we are so glad that you are here. Again, to those of you that are new or visiting with us today, to friends and family that are in town, we are so excited that you are here, and we mean it when we say we have been praying for you. Uh, We believe it's no accident that you are here because our God is alive, and he has brought every single one of us into this place for a very specific reason, and that is this morning, get this, right? Among all the other stories that you've heard in your life, among all the books that you've read, all the movies that you've seen, all the stories that you've read, all the fairy tales that are out there, you know what the difference that Easter makes? You know what the different thing about Easter than all those other things? It's true. Amen. It's real. It actually happened. Praise God. He's not here. The people that went to the tomb that very first Easter morning, they hear these words that forever change the course of history. He's not here. Say it with me. He's not here. Death didn't win. The grave didn't win. Sin doesn't win. Jesus wins. Amen? Amen. And just in case that's not clear, I want to start off today at the, at the end, actually, Jed read something from the book of Revelation. I want to start out with that as well. So there's this verse from Revelation chapter 1 up on the screen, and it's, it's a vision. It's a dream that, uh, that the apostle John has, um, that one of the, he was a follower of Jesus, and, and he has this vision of the resurrection Jesus, and this is what it's like to encounter him today, which we are. So let's read this with much gusto. That means energy, okay? So let's read it together. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to the death and grave. Amen. Amen. That is the truth for us this morning. And so my prayer for every single one of us here this morning is that we would sense the power of Jesus in such a real way that just like John's vision, I love that first line. It's almost like you're not anonymous this morning. You know that? I hope that you experience Jesus in such a real way this morning that it's almost like the risen Jesus is here today and he's placing his hand on your shoulder, saying you are in the right place. Do you believe that? You're in the right place. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, neighbor, you're in the right place. Just let them know. Just tell them. You're in the right place because here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the, the, what today is capable of. Today is either going to be one more Sunday for you, one more ordinary day in your life, or it's going to change everything. Or it's going to change everything. And so we're going to dig into our scripture for today, and we're going to find out which one is it. Is it another ordinary day, or is it truly going to change everything for us? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in a little different place. Turn to the Gospel of John. Turn to the Gospel of John. You've heard the story from the Luke account, and we're going to hop on over to John's side of the story. Uh, as Steve said, if you don't have a Bible, we would love for all these Bibles to disappear today, uh, for you to take them and use, well, maybe leave a few for the next service, but um, those are for you to take. That is our gift for you. So John is in the New Testament. It's on page uh, 828 if you're in the Bibles that are under the row. So the Gospel of John. And now John offers his take. And I just want to say, if you're, <laughs> if you're new today, if you've been away from the church for a long time, if you're new to this whole church thing, today would be a great day to get started reading the Bible. Because here's the thing, this is just the beginning of the story. 
So you got to come back next week and the week after and the week after to hear more because it just keeps getting better and better. Today is a great day to get started. So we're actually going to start with verse 11, John chapter 20, verse 11, a similar resurrection account. And it says this, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. So to set the stage for you here, you have to understand, put yourself in Mary's shoes. It's very early in the morning. You know, you walk out. For me, it's, I get the image of, of a golf course, right? Before anybody's been on it, right? So you're walking out into Augusta National Golf Course. It's Easter Sunday and the dew is still on the fairways, right? And Mary's out there walking because there was a golf course next to the tomb, right? Um, that's what I, I like to imagine that. Um, you know, what did Jesus do after he rose from the dead? Play around. Um, Mary's walking out there in the morning, and you have to put yourself in her mindset, right? Jesus is not only, she placed her hope that he was her savior, he was her best friend. So imagine what's happened. Not only are you grieving because your best friend died, he's gone. Like somebody came and stole the body, and in its place, (laughs) there's a couple angels just hanging out on the stone by the tomb, just sitting there, I don't know, reading. I don't know what they're doing, just chatting it up, right? And she is downtrodden, and she says, they have taken my Lord away. They ask her, why are you crying? She says, he's gone, and I don't know where they have put him. And so she starts to leave. Imagine there would be no Easter, there would be no resurrection, there'd be no Christianity if that was it. But then there's this mysterious guy that's kind of hanging out around the clubhouse there uh, at the, the garden tomb. And here's the funny thing. Mary thinks it's the gardener, right? This is like undercover boss on steroids, right? Have you seen that show, right? Jesus is there. He's probably got the little, you know, gardener suit on with the little hat, right? You know, that sort of thing. She doesn't even know it's him, right? And so she approaches him and, uh, and notice Jesus doesn't just appear to Mary, jumping and screaming and, and, and waving his arms and saying, Mary, I'm over here. It's really me. I'm not an imposter. You know, how interesting that he asks her, woman, why are you crying? And he says, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Jesus isn't, you know, coming back with, with fireworks and jumping up and down and saying, Mary, believe in me. You have to get your life all figured out. Come, believe in me, trust in me, and we're going to do all these great things. He asks her a question. And he says, who are you looking for? Or as I would like to invite you to ponder this morning, he might have well asked her, what are you looking for? What are you looking for at the the empty tomb. I'm sure that you and I are all here this morning at the empty tomb for a lot of different reasons. For some of you, it's so that you can practice a tradition that you have. For others, it's simply because it's a good religious thing to do. I should go to church on Easter. That's just what you do, right? Maybe it's a good way to start your holiday by coming to church, but what you're really excited about, the ham and then hitting the golf course later on, right? Maybe you're looking, hopefully the pastor gives a pretty good sermon and you you get a little boost, you know, you get a little inspiration for life, but then we'll kind of wander back into the just surviving this next week. Maybe you're here today because you were drugged here against your will. And man, do I feel you. 
I was a pastor's kid growing up, and the only thing I remember about Easter is my mom putting on one of those clip-on ties that feels like it's choking you, and brand new khaki pants, and my little penny loafers, and she'd comb my hair over like a, you know, like a side part. So uncool, and nothing says, hey, I'm a totally uncool pastor's kid like a side part, right? That's all I remember about Easter. So if you are drug here against your will today, and you'd really not rather be at church, I feel you. I feel you. A lot of Sundays like that. But I still want to ask you the question, what did you hope to find today? What, what are you looking for? And, and beyond just those surface things that I mentioned, deeper than that, I want to challenge you this morning. What are you looking for? You, you might be here today because you are so ashamed of what's happened in your life the past several months that you are sitting here this morning and you are authentically wondering, do I even deserve to be here? I guarantee some of you are, are thinking that. You might be here today simply feeling alone. Wondering if anybody understands what it's like to be you. You might be here this morning authentically wondering, how did I get to where I am in my story? I mean, how did I end up in the role that I'm in as a single mom, as unemployed, as right in the middle of a divorce, in the middle of overwhelmed by life's demands? You ever find yourself wondering, like, is this it? Not this service, but your life. Like, is this it? Is there more to life than this? Maybe even going as so far to ask, is there more after the finish line? Is there more to life after death? Well, certainly by the numbers at the box office during this Lent season leading up to Easter, Hollywood is clued onto this. (laughs) There is something written deep inside of our hearts that millions, maybe billions of dollars have been spent not only buying books, but now seeing all these movies, particularly faith-based movies, and a lot of them about the afterlife. Is there life after death? We are literally dying to know, aren't we? We are literally dying to know. And, and, and there's billions of dollars being spent to answer that question. And I, though a lot of those movies are great, but I want to caution you that it is so important that we base our perception of what's real and what's true on God's word, not just on the latest popular movie. Go see the movies. Enjoy it. Be inspired. But also know your Bible. We want you to read the stories because we want you to know what's real and true and can be trusted. So we go back to the tomb. That would be a good place to look. There's only one person that's ever defeated death. So let's ask him. So back to John chapter 20, if you have your Bibles, look at verse 16. Mary doesn't know who this man is, right? This gardener that happens to be there, you know, just sweeping up afterwards, right? What, what is he doing? Pruning the plants? I don't know. And he doesn't know, she doesn't know who he is until Jesus, just like the verse we read at the beginning, probably puts his hand on her shoulder. You know, she's looking this way, and Jesus kind of comes up behind her, puts his hand on her shoulder, and he says, Mary. He calls her name. How simple and how beautiful is that? To which she turns around, sees him, I can imagine, just with tears welling up in her eyes, she says, Rabboni, which in Aramaic means teacher. It's you. It's you. I just want to imagine for a second, a lot of you, well, all of you walked in those doors this morning. What if like right now, Jesus walked in those doors, right? 
walked through the aisle. There's a couple hundred of us here this morning, and he's looking around, and in the crowd of people, obviously he loves all of you, but I just want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes. He just looks over Betty and points at you and says your name. And says, I came back for you. I'm here for you, and I'm calling out your name because you belong with me. Because I created you. Because this Easter is for you. It's not just for the kids and their funny little Easter egg hunt and their funny little costumes. Easter is not just for all the funny looking church people sitting around you right now. You're a weird looking bunch of people, let me tell you. Some of you are thinking, how did I end up with all these weird people, right? Easter is for you. Easter is for you. And here's the thing you could miss the whole thing. You could miss the whole thing. You could, you could miss the whole point. If we're not careful, Easter can get filled with all these this other clutter and all these other distractions. It can become about so many other things. How do we know? Did you drive around town yesterday? Did you see any of the Easter egg hunts? You, have you seen an Easter egg hunt before? Like actually been in the midst of the chaos of an Easter egg hunt? So I was driving around yesterday and there's a lot of different community Easter egg hunts. And speaking of missing the point, there are kids literally fighting. Over pieces of candy, right? Uh, which, when you're that age, it's a big deal. And so I'm driving by, and I just pull over. It's nice out yesterday. I just roll down the window, and I'm watching this scene unfold. And it is mass chaos. There's kids running everywhere. They're running into each other, uh, all sorts of things. And this, this little boy, the little boy is over here, and the little girl over here, they catch my eye. And he's like in his like nice khaki pants all dressed up. Maybe he'd been to church or something. And she's in this cute little Easter dress. And it's almost like simultaneously time stood still and they locked eyes over an egg right in the middle of them, right? So imagine an open field. It's like Braveheart, right? And the girls over here and the boys over here and they start running towards each other, forgetting that they're running towards each other and their eyes are fixed down on the egg. And before I could yell, watch out, the boy comes in. He is so focused. He does a slide tackle and takes the little girl's legs out from under her. She falls and they clock heads. They run into each other and they both fall back on their rears. And they're like, whoa, you know, in the cartoons, the little stars are up above. Woo, woo. And they're gathering themselves. The boy is kind of just knocked out and he's, he's getting up and the parents are coming. And before the, the, the parents get there, the little girl gets up. She kind of shakes off her dress a little bit. I'm not kidding you. She looks at the little boy who's laying on the ground, like knocked out with the egg, with the candy. <laughs> In his hand, she reaches down, rips the egg, right, out of his hand, right? And I'm close enough that I can hear this because everybody's screaming, right? And she goes, happy Easter, sorry, and then just ditches and just runs the other way. Nothing says happy Easter like that, right? Give me my egg, right? Give me my egg. Because at the end of the day... (laughs) We could miss the whole point too. We go running after so many things in this life and then one day it hits us. Oh man, this isn't really all it's cracked up to be. This is not satisfying. We could miss the whole thing because tomorrow a lot of us are going to go back to work. There's going to be millions of people that go back to work and they're going to, you're going to get lost in the noise and the busyness of the day. And at the end of the day, you're going to come home and you're going to go to bed with the same ache in your soul that calls out to us when we are finally quiet, when we actually listen. And it's that soft, still, quiet voice that says, 
you know that there's more. You know that there's more than this. And it's the same voice that called out to Mary at the tomb. That called out her name. And here's the thing, we can choose to ignore it. You can pretend it's just a thing for churchy people. You can dismiss it as irrelevant to your life. You can say it's just a once a year thing that I do, maybe twice a year if you come on Christmas, and say that's for those Sundays, it's a holiday, it's a tradition, back to real life. Until you realize there are some things in this life that we cannot ignore. The reality of them, no matter how hard we try, things that no matter how strong you are, how smart you are, how good of a person you think you are, or how completely apathetic you might be today to this whole church thing. There are things that we know in life that we will never be able to overcome, mainly our sin and death itself. So when that ache comes back and we say... Where do we go now? What do we do now? Where do you turn? And that's the question that even a few chapters before the resurrection account in John chapter 11, if you want to turn there, you can. People are asking this question at the funeral of a man named Lazarus who happens to be one of Jesus' best friends. It's just a few weeks before. This story of Lazarus dying and his being in a tomb is very real to us at Hope. This past week, we had four funerals. I hate funerals. I'm just going to be honest. I know that they're necessary. I know that they're good. (laughs) But people in those days didn't like funerals either, especially when it's a loved one. What what do you possibly say when one of those funerals is for a 22-year-old young man? Boy, do we need Easter. Boy, do we need Easter. What do we possibly say to that mom, to that dad? Just, it'll be fine. Suck it up. There's there's happiness to be found. Not for them. There's nothing that this world can offer. When the world runs out of answers, where do you turn? On this question. And Jesus is standing in front of Lazarus' tomb and there's people that are, it says, wailing because they're so sad. There's no hope in the area. People gathered around, there's no hope. And Jesus stands up at a funeral. Jesus had a lot of weird hobbies and one of them was ruining funerals. Strange hobby, I know. Jesus stands up and says, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Who says that at a funeral? One who can change the funeral. And then he, just like he did to Mary at the tomb that morning, calls out Lazarus' name. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And out walks the dead man, the previous dead man. Um, What do we do now, Jesus? Like cancel the funeral lunch or what? Like, what do we do, right? This never happens. Death has been defeated. 
Death has been defeated. And so you ask, that's a great little cheer you up story from the Bible, John. But we know that, that, that what do you do with all the people that Jesus didn't bring back to life? What about the 22-year-old young man? Is there hope in that? Doesn't death win at some point? In fact, somebody came up to me after that funeral, and we'll just call the young man, we'll just, his name is not Chris, but we'll call him Chris. And somebody, a family member said, Pastor John, why did Jesus take Chris? This is a matter of life and death. This isn't trivial, just kind of fun religious nonsense. Why did Jesus take Chris? And I gathered myself for a second, and as I'm tearing up, as she's tearing up, I said her name, I said, Jesus didn't take Chris. Death took him. And Jesus takes death. And I know this with all my heart because he is the resurrection and the life. On Easter, Jesus went to the grave and came back with the keys. Jesus went to the grave and stares your death your sin, your guilt, your pain from the past, your indifference maybe towards him today. And he takes it head on and he says, no more, no more, no more separation between us. There is nothing that will ever be able to separate you from my love. And here's why. Because of Easter, whenever that finish line comes, he owns the finish line. I was reminded of this uh, this past week. They had all the memorials on. This past week, a year ago, was the Boston Marathon. You want to talk about darkness being real, right? It had, they're running it tomorrow, and there's a few of our Hope Des Moines folks that are running in it that were there last year when the bombs went off. They got back up. <laughs> They signed back up. They're in the race. And so they were having different speakers at a memorial service for those that had lost their lives or lost body parts and different things. And this girl is standing up there with an amputated leg and she's got an artificial leg now. She's running in the Boston Marathon. She got back up. She trained again. She's back in the race and she was nearing the end of her talk. And she closes her speech by challenging everyone to not let fear win the day. And she says this, because as Bostonians, we own the finish line. And I'm watching this. It's on ESPN, which God always speaks to me through ESPN. (laughs) And I start to get these chills. Like a shiver down my spine when she says that. I'm like, that's it. Is there life after death? Jesus says, oh yeah, because he owns the finish line. He owns the finish line. In fact, whenever Jesus talks about eternal life, the, the, the verb that's in the Greek here, you got to know, is ionios. Everybody say, ionios. No, say it like you mean it. Ionios. It means eternal, and zoe is life. So ionios, zoe, is eternal life. And whenever Jesus talks about eternal life or the afterlife in the Gospels, he's talking about, yes, eternal life. He's describing a quantity of, of time later on in the future, but also a quality of time here and now. Ionios, a verb that means now and ongoing. I don't know what your picture is of heaven, but I'm sorry to break it to you. As far as I know, it's not Cabbage Patch Dolls playing harps. 
Oh, it's something much more than that. But eternal life starts now. Ionios Zoe, a.k.a. Eternity starts now and is later. Hey. Andy? Andy. Andy Hermanson, I'm in the middle of my sermon. You, you didn't see me. <laughs> I've been here for a while. Andy, what are you doing? I don't know if you know this, but it's Easter, and I'm kind of pumped about Easter, and I thought, I'm pumped enough. I just got to spread the joy. What, what are you doing? Well, I, I mean, I'm not the Easter bunny, but I'm kind of, you know, I... Well, you kind of look like an Easter bunny. I, what? I'm handing out candy to people. I'm handing out my favorite what are, Easter candy. Do you know what it is, John? Here, throw some up to me. Just start throwing it around. I don't care. Just, here, throw me another one. Just throw them around. Throw out some handfuls. I don't care. I mean, you've already interrupted the sermon. You might as well just keep going, right? It's my favorite Here. Easter candy. It's called Toss me a... later. Here, why don't you just throw some What? I think I should. Hey, happy Easter. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you throwing out? Right, it's my... What are these called? Right, it's called a now and later because it's juicy now. Oh, and chewy later. It's the best of both. Oh. Andy. Andy. What? You're brilliant. Hey, my wife tells me that every... Oh, I know. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> no. Seriously, you're brilliant. Do you know that this is the whole point of Easter? I had no idea. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. Andy, it's now and later. Don't you get it? I, I do. Like salvation, like resurrection, Easter is for now. Like eternal life is not just now and it's not just later. It's now and later. Get it? Awesome. You're brilliant. All right. Hey, free now and laters for everybody. Free now and laters for everybody. Andy Hermanson, everybody. Give him a round of applause. There he is. Wow. Totally unplanned. I had no idea. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, if you didn't get one, there are thousands of now and laters in the back. So make sure you get some before you leave. Hey, think about this. Small candy, big truth. The question is, are you going to live like it's true? Because Easter is about both. Because here's the thing. So often we miss out on the now, don't we? You got to experience the now before you get to the later, right? You got to experience the juiciness before you get to the chewy part. You got to experience the now before we get to the later. You've all heard that question, I'm sure. If you died tonight, do you know where you would go? And that is extremely important, and it gets at the urgency of this Easter season. Yes, we want you to know. We want Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. But what if, in addition to that question, we asked... If you knew that you were going to live forever, how would you live today? Don't miss the now, in the now and later. If you knew that you were going to live forever, if you knew that you had nothing to prove to anybody because he's already done the performing for you, you think you can upstage Easter? He's already done the performing for you. You don't have anything to earn. You don't have anything to prove. You don't have anything to lose because the worst possible thing that this world could throw at us, you know how the world likes to scare us with these different fears? And they say, you might die. 
And I know that this sounds radical, but think about the worst possible thing this world could throw at us is death. And Jesus says, taken care of. Kick to the curb, right? Done, over with. We don't have anything to fear. If he owns what's beyond the finish line, how should we then run the race? It's already been won. We know what's beyond the finish line. What if we truly stopped caring so much about what the world thinks? What if we stopped playing it so safe? Is there any reason, think about it, is there any reason that followers of Jesus should not be the most daring, courageous, generous, joyful, free, radical, servant-hearted people on the earth? Does that describe your life today? That's how you know if you're living in light of the now and later, of the resurrection that's now and to come. Think about what I just described. Is that the kind of church that you would want to be a part of? Oh, yeah. And thank God, (laughs) that's you. You are that kind of church. Praise God that you are, not because life is easy, far from it, because we are learning to live for things that are going to last. You might see these portraits up here, and there's just a few of many, but these pictures, these snapshots of God moving and working in the lives of our community over this past year. How do I know that Easter is real? How do I know that there's life beyond death? Because we've got glimpses of it every day over this past year. If there are desires that you and I have, if we get glimpses of things, it must mean... (laughs) That the, and the world can't satisfy him, it must mean that we were created for another world. And we get glimpses of these things. I know that Easter is real because I've, I've seen it in the dozens of baptisms that we were able to do this past year. And I like to protect names to protect the innocent, so this is my friend Jimmy. And we were doing baptisms down at Raccoon River Park, and we're down there, and we're baptizing people. You have to understand it. His past is is checkered with brokenness and pain and addiction and divorce and you name it, it's there. Until he came here one Sunday and Jesus put his hand on his shoulder and says, you're mine. Which is what baptism is. It's Jesus saying, you belong to me. And as I'm pulling Jimmy up out of the water, he comes up and he yells, hallelujah, I'm alive. And he didn't mean physically, he meant in his soul. I'm alive. I know that resurrection is real because this past year and the past several years of this group of people among many more that have built this community here at Hope Des Moines and one of the many things that we do is not, we're in this Beaverdale parade and we don't just throw out a thousand hot dogs, we threw out a thousand and six hot dogs to the people of Des Moines. And you know what? This whole thing has nothing to do with hot dogs and it has everything to do with the people in that picture finding a place to belong. Resurrection. We're not lonely anymore. For some of you, this is your family. Resurrection is here. I've seen it in the the hundreds, literally hundreds of volunteers that we've had serving all over the city, serving dozens of different places. And and, and I've seen it in in the eyes of this woman that came out of this house that we were remodeling 
earlier this year, and she came out, and she's got tears in her eyes, and she's looking around at us transform her house to give her a sense of dignity over on the east side. And, and she comes out, and she's got tears in her eyes, and she looks at one of our volunteers and kind of looks around and goes, why are you doing this? Not in an angry way, but just in a, why would anybody love somebody this much? And she comes out and she says, why are you doing this? And I love what one of our volunteers said. They said, ma'am, we love Jesus. It's what we do. And she goes, oh, okay, well, more of that, please. More of that, please. Resurrection is in the air. And last but not least, (laughs) I've seen it in the hundreds and thousands of you that are here today and still to come that have given not only financially but given your time and your talents and your gifts and your skills and your trades to this project to have a future home in the city. Praise God. Praise God. I see glimpses of it all around me today and it's not just in these pictures, it's you. Just kind of look around you a little bit. Just look around. Turn around, look at each other. No, I'm serious. Look, look right at each other. Give each other an awkward smile. Just look at each other. You may not see much, but you know what I see? I see resurrection. I see, I, I see marriages here in our community, marriages that we're ready to give up that are now healed and put back together. I've seen men who have discovered that being a lover of Jesus is way more manly than being a lover of money. There are women here in our community that have discovered a beauty inside themselves that was there all along, despite the lies that they've believed. I have seen years of regret and wounds that have been traded in for forgiveness and freedom. Decades of physical pain and suffering healed to the amazement even of some of the best doctors. When we pray, God, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know what? Sometimes he answers. Sometimes he answers our prayers. He doesn't always in the ways that we want him to, but sometimes he does. Why? Now and later. Because eternal life starts now. I've challenged our community with this question over and over, and I'm going to ask you again today, What are you going to do this week, this month, today that's going to matter for eternity? There's lots of things that we could spend our time doing before the finish line, but what are you going to do? Jesus didn't rise from the grave to make bad people good. He rose from the grave to make dead people come alive. And maybe today is the day that he wants you to come alive. And I'm not talking physically. I'm talking about in here. I'm talking about where it matters, where it's going to last. Of all the questions we could ask in this life, maybe the most important one is this. What are you going to do today with the risen Jesus? What if you weren't just a spectator? What if you were in one of those pictures? What if that was you next year? What if you, what if God came and collided his story with your story? What if you decided it's time for me to belong to Christ, which literally is what Christian means to be in Christ, for Jesus to say to you, you belong to me and to participate in his death and his resurrection. Get in that picture frame. (laughs) What What if you were called to get in that picture frame 
to, to, to stop playing a spectator, to get off the sidelines and get into community, to stop living life alone and isolated and find a family. What if God was calling you to get in that picture, to get your hands messy, to come serve with us here at Hope Des Moines so that when people that are out in this city, the thousands of them that are desperate for the love of Jesus, they ask, whoa, you had a nice big Easter service. So you're going to leave? You had a great big show there at Hubble Elementary, I heard on Sunday. Are you going to be around on Tuesday? And they're going to ask, will you stay? And we can say, oh yeah, we're not going anywhere. Because Jesus is alive on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and the whole rest of the week. Praise God. We're not going anywhere. And that's why I'm telling you this morning, you can't leave it here today. Will you stay and will you follow the risen Jesus? Will you be in one of those picture frames next year? What difference does Easter make? It makes all the difference because we're just getting started. I had a man come up after a service a couple weeks ago and, and speaking of all this and hearing all these stories, he exclaimed to me, John, I almost missed it. I'm 63 years old and I feel like a little kid again because I almost missed it because I got so busy with life. He says, John, this isn't about one church service. It's about the rest of our lives. What are you going to do with every breath that you have left? Easter is about knowing him, not just knowing about him, but knowing him so that when you near the finish line, at the end of this race, having been busy with so many things that we will never, that we will never hear our Creator say, brilliant performance, but you missed the point. Because in the end, it's about relationships. With those around you, and most importantly, a relationship with your Creator that will last forever. And I thought I knew what that meant. <laughs> Until a year ago, yesterday the day before Easter of course my sermon's been done for weeks I'm finishing my sermon on Saturday afternoon Tiffany is very with child very much so and I'm sitting there at my desk and I get the call from Tiffany's sister that says uh you may want to come home the kid's coming this is our first, and that kid is now one year old. I think we got a shot of him up there. Yeah. And so I hop in my car, and I think the entire way down Interstate 235 to the hospital, I think I was chanting myself, this is it, this is it, this is it. Dads, you know this, right? We freak out, right? This is it, this is it. And I, I was, of course I was going the speed limit because pastors never speed. And I get all the way down to the hospital and, and we go in and several hours later on Easter morning, the nurse is putting this little boy in my arms for the first time. And there's like 13 nurses in the room and she asks, so dad, 
what's his name? And fighting back tears. It's like the proudest moment of my life and I just say, Caleb Lee Adams. And dads, you've been there. And next to the day I got married, I'm thinking, that might be the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> right there. Because I believe in that moment that I got a glimpse of what our Heavenly Father feels when He looks at us and says, You're mine. You belong with me. Not just on Easter, but for forever. You've all had those moments in your life where you wish they could last forever. And because of Easter, Jesus says to all of us, someday they will. Someday it'll never have to end as I'm sitting there and I'm holding Caleb in my arms just beaming and I'm walking around all the nurses. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Right? Because I'm so proud of him. He hasn't even done anything yet and I'm so proud of him. God is always whispering to us of eternity. I want to be with him forever. And, and I thought in that moment, there is nothing that I wouldn't do for my son. There's nothing I wouldn't do for one of my kids. And God says to us today, I want to be with you forever. And forever starts right now, here, today. Today is the day of your salvation. And not only did I go to the cross and give my life for you, but I went to the grave and I rose again so that you could be with me forever. Eternity, forever. If you're wondering, that is a really, really long time. It's forever. Jesus asked Mary at the tomb, what are you looking for? If you're looking for the way, if you're looking for the truth, and if you're looking for the life, happy Easter. He's here.